The first reading tonight comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to the end of the chapter. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the inside of the cup and dish, but clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect the justice and love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also, Jesus replied. And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves do not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them with prophets and apostles, some who they will kill and others who they persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for all the blood of the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because if you've taken away the key to knowledge, you yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teacher of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions waiting to catch him in something he might say. The second reading continues on, so looking, moving now to Luke 12, verses 1 to 12. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? 
Yet none of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you, you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. This is the word of the Lord. Well, after spending three weeks on a beach in Queensland, it's nice to come back to a light-hearted passage such as this. Uh, we're in the middle of Luke's gospel, count the cost, and uh, we're particularly looking at what Jesus taught, what came from his mouth, what did he say, what did it mean to follow him? And as we look at today, we're going to see one of the big obstacles that is there that prevents us from having real, genuine faith. So to that end, let me pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you, knowing that you have just spoken to us as your word was read. We ask that we would hear, listen, digest, that we'd learn, repent, and seek to be who you say we are. Amen. So let's set the scene of this showdown between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus is invited to share a meal. And he quickly goes from the invited guest to the uninvited guest. Have a look, verse 38, page 894. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Now, at first, you may think, well, did Jesus have bad hygiene issues? Is that why he would be uninvited? You know, he didn't get the detail hand wash and clean before eating. No, no, no. Jesus didn't participate in the ceremonial washing rituals that was common. See, in the Mishnah, not the Bible, it was the common practice to wash your cups and plates and bowls before you ate, not because of hygiene reasons, but because there's an act of washing away the defilement of the world, washing away the sin of the world. You can read about in the Mishnah, if you've got a couple of hours, spare of the, the purity of the water, of the process you have to do. But Jesus wasn't doing any of this. And the Pharisees are scratching their head thinking, hang on, I thought he was religious. Then, what does Jesus say? Verse 39, now then, you Pharisees, and he lets loose. A series of woes come towards the Pharisees. Alasses, shame on you, grievances, concerns aimed at the Pharisees. He says, verse 39, now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish. Verse 42, woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all kinds of garden herbs. Woe to you because you build tombs for the prophets. Now, these kind of examples Jesus uses, 
They're not bad things, aren't they? I mean, it shows they're dedicated. They've gone to the nth degree. They're keen. But the problem Jesus points out is what? They've failed to neglect justice. Sorry, they've neglected justice and the love of God. They've ignored their hearts full of greed and wickedness. You know when you go to the fridge and you're hungry and you find a container of food from a meal that you cooked a while ago and you're keen, you're excited. Then you open it up and inside it is covered in mold and this little forest is growing, right? See, on the outside look good. On the inside, it's a completely different story. And Jesus is having a go at this facade of these Pharisees that they think they're okay on the outside whereas inside is a completely different picture. See, these Pharisees are doing what in general religion does, which is a man-made attempt to do things to earn God's approval. These Pharisees were tithing their spice rack, ceremonially washing cups, and they thought, you know what? Because I do these things, I'm right with God. I remember driving with a man in Uber, So he was the Uber driver, I was talking to him, and we're talking about this very topic, right? About God's approval and earning God's approval. And he said, well, as long as you do right, think right, you'll be fine. And I said, yeah, but how do you know you've done enough? How can you be certain? He gets up his phone and he says, see that? That's a five-star rating. (laughs) Everyone who comes into my car gives me five stars. And I thought, wow, this man is holding on to his five-star rating and hope that'll get me through. What's your five-star rating? What's the thing you hold on to that you think, yep, God's going to be pleased with this one? See, Jesus exposes the problem of religion and he says what often we're afraid to say, that it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it isn't focusing on outside problems when the inside is much worse. It is like putting a Band-Aid over a cancer diagnosis. It ain't going to work. The problem is much bigger and deeper in our hearts. They are full of greed and wickedness and they neglect so many things. And little actions aren't going to cut it. I love verse 45. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Half expect the rest of the experts in law being, Shut up, what are you talking about? Because then Jesus looks at the experts in law and goes for them. Woe to you, experts in the law. And what Jesus is saying is offensive, right? Because these guys thought they were righteous, but in the end, Jesus is saying you're being ridiculous, and the problem is much worse. You are hypocrites. Because what did Jesus say? I've not come for the righteous but sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. See, these Pharisees didn't acknowledge a problem. They say, well, I do this and do this so I'm okay with God. But Jesus is saying the only way you're going to be okay with God is to admit you're not okay. And it's serious stuff, right? 
that verse at the end of the Bible reading, verse, what is it, 10, is a big verse. Verse 10 says, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, what does that mean? See, you can make fun of Jesus. Heck, you could have been there nailing him to the cross and you'd be forgiven. But you reject the Holy Spirit and it is impossible for God to forgive you. What does that mean? It's along the lines of what these Pharisees are doing where they're saying, I do not need forgiveness. I'm gonna reject the Spirit who brings the message of forgiveness into my life. Because if you admit there's nothing wrong, you think, I'm okay, I tied my spy track, then the spirit cannot work. If you shut the door on God's face and say, do not change me because there's nothing to change. If you shut the door on God's face and say, don't forgive me because there's nothing to forgive, that is serious stuff. And Jesus' anger at it is right, particularly for those who promote it, like the Pharisees. See, the biggest obstacle you face when it comes to real, genuine faith is that of religious hypocrisy. You see, the hardest thing to do, really, is to admit you're not good enough for God. It is a very hard thing to place the good things that you've done in the bin. Because God's not impressed. Do you know why? Because he knows what's in our heart. See, we may think, oh, I've tricked him. I've done this, this, this. He knows the full picture. Religion ain't gonna work. So that's the first thing to say, right? And that's quite heavy. So let's move on to the motivation. Why is it we tend towards religious hypocrisy? Now, I don't know about you, right, but I would love to be a fly on the wall in this meal between Jesus and the Pharisees, right? Just seeing it go down. And I can't understand why verse 1 is there. Chapter 12 says, Meanwhile, a crowd of many, thousands, had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, right? I used to be a high school teacher out in Blacktown, and whenever the word fight was had, kids, thousands would run towards that direction, right? You see a good debate where it gets heated online, and there's millions of views. People want to see a good showdown, right? And here, Jesus is exposing the religious hypocrisy to the crowds, and it's like the January sales. Crowds come rushing. But this is not entertainment, right? Because have a look what Jesus says. He says to his disciples, verse 1, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Before you start pointing the fingers, right? Even though you're a disciple of mine, Jesus says, even though you may say, oh, we're not into religion, I'm into relationship. I've experienced the forgiveness. I am a sinner. I need Jesus. Even if you're that, the yeast of the Pharisees can well up inside you and spread. I find verse 2 and 3 quite scary verses. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you've whispered in the ear and the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. 
Now, I've looked after, looked at, read commentary after commentary, hoping that those verses are hyperbolic or metaphoric. But they're not. They're literal. And they're saying there's the you that people see and there's the you that people don't see. There's all sorts of things we do in the darkness that we never want to be brought into the light. You know the things you say that you never want shared? The thing you've watched but you don't want anyone to know? The things you believe that you never want brought out? So we put on an act, we pretend, put on the makeup and enter the stage of life. You know, Christian Bale, is, I, think, I think he's a brilliant actor, right? He's played all sorts of roles in his career, from Batman to Vice President, to Moses, to a gangster, even a leopard called Big Era, right? All sorts of roles. And he goes to extraordinary lengths to get into character, if you know his work. And we can sometimes do the same. Go to extraordinary lengths to pretend. Now, the word hypocrite basically means play acting, right? You're pretending, putting on an act. And here's the thing. No one in this room wakes up one morning and says, you know what? I want to be a hypocrite today. Yeah, I want to be a hypocrite. I tried Googling, I'm a hypocrite t-shirts. I can't find them. There's all sorts of other shirts out there, but there's no I'm a hypocrite, right? So why is it that this yeast of hypocrisy wells up in us? Why do we pretend? Why is there the you that people see and the you that people don't see? Two versions of yourself. Well, Jesus has an interesting diagnosis for it. Have a look, verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Jesus is saying there, the reason why we pretend, the reason why we can be hypocritical is because we're afraid of who? People. Now, Jesus uses the most extreme example of what someone else can do to you. That's kill you. But there's all sorts of ways in which we're afraid of men, afraid of others. We're afraid of what they might say about us. Is it positive or negative? We're afraid of what their value of us is. Are we important? Are we a failure? What, what their judgments about us? Are we a disappointment? Or a success? We're worried about how they'll treat us. Will they ignore us? Will they want to be friends with us? Will they reject us? See, so you know those questions that roll around your head? What do people think about me? What are people saying about me? What are people going to do to me? They plague us, don't they? They're there. See, peer pressure, it's not a teenager thing. No, no, no. It's a human thing. In the 1950s, sociologist Solomon asked, did an experiment, right, where he got uh, eight people in a room. And in the room was three lines on a piece of paper. And they had to work out which line was longer. It was a clear, obvious one. And uh, in the uh, eight people, seven of them were actors. One of them was just a naive person, part of the experiment. When asked which one is the longest one, in each test case, the naive person picked the right answer. All the others, all the actors, picked wrong answers. And then those actors had to 
convince the other, the naive person, to pick the wrong answer. And it didn't take long for three out of four people to swap and point to the wrong answer and say, yes, that's the longest one. And they were strangers. They didn't know each other. Now, you're probably thinking, yeah, but I would have been the one in four. I would have resisted. But you know what? You might have resisted that time, but nine times out of ten, we change. We so long to fit in. We're so worried about what people think that we pretend and we put on an act and we can be hypocritical. You know how there's two versions of ourselves? There's the church version of us where we sing, talk about Jesus. Then there's the work version of ourselves where people don't even know we're Christian. Why do we do that? Because in the end, we're afraid of what the boss or workmates think. You know, there's the private version of yourself and the public version. Public version is you're happy, you're friendly, things are going well, but those who you live with you're mean, you're hot-tempered, hot-tempered, hot, hot, hot angry, lazy. Why are they too very, Because we put on an act, because we so long for the approval of others. You think about the areas in your life in which you're hypocritical, where there's a public and a private version of yourself, and you dig a bit deeper, and you say, whose opinion am I after? Who am I in the end afraid of? Be on your guard against the yeast of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, Jesus said. So what's the solution? What's the remedy to this fear of man, this hypocrisy that's in us? It's not be an island. Water for ducks back, well, who cares what people think, right? That doesn't work, FYI. Have a look at the solution Jesus recommends. Verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him. Fear God. Jesus is saying you must remove the fear of man and supplant it with an even greater fear, the fear of God. Now, when it comes to the fear of God, it can be a bit confusing, like, would I treat God like a horror movie? Like, what do you mean, fear of God? So Jesus clarifies. He says, fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. See, so often we are worried about what people do to us, aren't we? They might reject us, ignore us, hurt us, despise us, and sort of experience this hell on earth. But Jesus is saying, no, no, get the bigger picture. Fear the one who can throw you into hell for all eternity. Cast your eyes up from the now of those who can injure your life for a moment to the one who can condemn you for all eternity. Greta Thunberg, uh, recently known for her How Dare You speech in the UN about climate change. She was critiqued by saying she's promoting needless anxiety. There's nothing to worry about. But what she had to say about climate change, if it's true, then it's not needless anxiety, is it? But it's the call to do something and do something quickly. Often when it comes to hell, 
people say, well, it's a needless anxiety, don't worry about it. But if it's true, then it's not a needless anxiety, is it? But the call to do something about it, and quickly. See, the hindrance for you, either in becoming a Christian or walking away from the faith, often is a worry about what other people think. But here's the thing, worry about what God thinks. Because if you reject God because you're afraid that others will reject you, then the reality is God will reject you for all eternity. I remember being in school in year one, and we were told, do not put dirt in the drains at school. That's what we did when we knew one. We did how much entertainment. We're told, don't put the dirt in drains because it blocks up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Nathan was my friend, and he said, come on, James, let's do it. Let's put the dirt in the drains. And I so wanted him to be my friend that I said, all right. And there we're doing it. And then this shadow appears over us, and it is Mrs. Winter. She was a tall lady. And in that moment, as I looked up, I realized who I should truly fear. <laughs> Not Nathan, but Mrs. Winter. And God here, Jesus Christ is saying, fear him. Fear God. But then he starts speaking mad birds and asks a question. Verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs in your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Fear God, but don't be afraid. What's Jesus saying here? He's saying this. Sparrows are cheap birds. A couple of bucks, a couple of cents. Nothing. And yet God knows every single sparrow. Think about your hairs on your head. You try counting them, that's a big task for most of us. Some of you, not so much. <laughs> but God knows every single hair on your head. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. God knows you. Psalm 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Now, we don't want that to be true when it comes to other people. We don't want people to search us and know us through and through, right? That's why we pretend, because we're worried that they're going to reject us. But God knows us through and through, and yet says, don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Do you know how much more? That God, even though he knew you, warts and all, what you whispered in the darkness, sent his son, his one and only son, to go to the cross to there be rejected by the Father so that you could be welcomed as you are for all eternity. See, when you understand that God knows you, it means you don't have to pretend anymore. You can put down the facade. See, I don't know about you, but 
my temptation always to prove myself to God. But you know what? God has proven himself to me that he loves me in Jesus Christ. And all you need to do is acknowledge Jesus. Repent and turn to him. And God will acknowledge you for all eternity as my son, my daughter. Fear God, Jesus says. Fear God for what he can do, but also what he's done. If you're going to overcome the fear of man, then you must supplant it with a bigger fear, the fear of who God is. Let me end by talking about The Masked Singer. It's a TV show. It's on the screen. How many of you have watched The Masked Singer? Okay. All six of us. The rest of you have a life. So if, the Masked Singer is a TV show, which basically is the premise is celebrities who are either known for singing or not known, but they can all sing, are put in an elaborate mask, as you can see there on the screen, and they are to sing songs. And the whole point is to try and guess there's clues of who's behind the mask. And then they get unveiled one by one when they are out. So, you know, it's un- the mask is ripped off, and you think, oh, it's Gretel Colleen. Wow, she's still alive. Who knew? You know, it's just amazing, you know. But the whole point is this unveiling moment, <coughs> which happens. <coughs> and it's quite, you know, exciting. The best bit is when Lindsay Lohan, right, is the American guest who has no idea who Aussies are. Her reaction, right, it's unveiling. It's Kate Sobrano. She's like, ah, she's got no idea. It's great entertainment. But here's the thing, why I'm talking about this, for two reasons. You've got two options. Two options from this passage. Jesus is saying you can remove the mask now. Right now. Stop pretending. Stop thinking the good things you do will earn God's approval. He knows your heart. It ain't going to work. You can remove the mask in repentance and say, I need your forgiveness. Let the Spirit in transform you from the inside out and continue the journey of fearing God rather than fearing man. The other option is this. God is going to do it. He's going to remove the mask for you. Because there will be a day when Jesus comes back and you will experience what the Pharisees experienced where everything will be exposed. And by that point, it will be too late. So are you honest with yourself? Are you honest with yourself? Because the mask is coming off one way or another. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, We come to you now knowing that you are the God of all who knows our thoughts, our motives, our desires, the public and the private versions of us. We come to you now asking that by the power of the Spirit you would move us from honesty away from hypocrisy that we will be honest to you, knowing that you know our hearts, that nothing we can do can change or fix the problem. 
but only by coming to you and saying, we are not okay. We ask that we will not fall into the trap of religious hypocrisy, pretending like everything is okay when it is not. But we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive us, forgive us the times when we are so worried about what others think, that we forget what you think, and drive us to repentance and faith by the power of your Spirit. Amen.